on the podcast. We're back. Perfect hour in the national break. Feel refreshed. Well, I feel refreshed. Moving. I'm John Atanasio. I'm here with Brian Sigurdsson. Hey, hey. And, and Mazen Malegi. Uh, so, international break. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to the Premier League rest of the season. Um, I want to get your guys' opinion on these two match days. So some some surprises from the two match days uh, yesterday and I believe it was Thursday slash Friday. Um, Ryan, I'll start with you. Uh, interesting games. Why don't, you, why don't you give us your take from the games on Thursday? Um, what stood out to you? Uh, do you put a lot of stock into the international friendlies to begin with? Give me your hot take. So I don't put a ton of stock, but I think they're these build-up games towards the the World Cup, I'll put some stock in lineups when the best players are playing. So take, for example, Spain, you know, taking Argentina to the woodshed. Um, we uh, we don't think that result would hold if they were to play in the um, f- past the group stages, but I think it's there's something to be gained from seeing how poorly uh, the Argentina back line played and how... You know, they did play their best, you know, some of their best midfield play. So it's worth, you know, I think concern at least. Um, you know, you just also, you just don't usually give up six goals. Like, yes, uh, yeah, I mean, Spain is obviously a very strong, powerful lineup, but it's like that was a pretty, a pretty poor result. Um, so I take some things away from it. I think. You know, you take things like what is the manager thinking? How or how how could we potentially see lineups in the future? Um, I'll take from example, like I'm a little concerned with Belgium. Um, what you have, Company Alderweireld and Vertonghen. So why not just play a back three? But they instead insist. Uh, Roberto Martinez insist on playing Yannick Carrasco, um, who's not good anymore. Um, he's not a defensive player. Saudi Arabia didn't score um, in the 4-0 win of, for Belgium, but there was plenty of space and a better attacking team will pick up on that and and attack them. So I think I take some some results. Uh, I think, you know, the France uh, giving up a late goal to Colombia, I don't really take too much stock in. Uh, Egypt, I think, had a pretty good run. You know, they gave up a couple of late goals to Portugal, but at that point, they had gotten their I think results out of it that they wanted. Uh, you know, I think I take some things in England looked okay, but you know, again, they don't have uh, their best player. I think in Kane, uh, Brazil, Germany was a really fun match, but again, uh, take only a little bit. You'd wish you'd seen more from uh, Mar- uh, Sadio Mane, um, but yeah, it was exciting. They were good games, but you don't, you shouldn't, jump to massive conclusions. But maybe we should because it's, you know, entertaining. Mazin, how do you feel about international friendlies? Uh, I think they're like, you know, managers, tools for things. I I don't take any stock in any of the results. It's hard to even keep track if you're not watching these games and there's a ton of them, obviously. Like, I mean, how much, how many of us tuned in to see Scotland play Hungary, for example? Um you know, it's hard to even keep track of who's playing their starters when and all the all those sorts of fun statistics. Uh, there are some, you know, interesting moments. I think Ryan's named all of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, 
I'm taking taking basically no stock in what we've seen. Um, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. I think that's going to be it's going to be amazing. And we, you know, the the one match that I was really intrigued by and got me really hyped for the World Cup was to watch um, Spain and Germany um, really duke it out. Two of the favorites for the actual title of champion, and um, they played an interesting game. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing, the, you know, the games that actually count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a, a couple of things stood out for me uh, these past two days, uh, past two match days, rather. Uh, Germany, for example, played basically their starters, maybe, you know, split their starters across two games, but for the most part played everybody. Uh, didn't wind up winning a game. Granted, they played probably the hardest schedule that you could play in playing Brazil and Spain. Um, but I, I was a little disappointed by Germany only scoring one goal. Um, I'm worried if Sammy Kadir is out there for Germany. Yeah, I, I think he gets a bad rap now just because he, you know, he's not featured in in uh, Spain, for example. Um, I, I think he's better than people give him credit for. Uh, the other thing that stood out for me was Brazil not giving up a goal. Um, I think for all of Brazil's attacking talent, we tend to discredit their backline just because players like uh, David Luiz have featured in that backline. Um, granted, David Luiz is injured right now. He didn't play in either of these games, and they were able to keep two queen chiefs against uh, a Russian side that did threaten, um, had their chances in that game. I actually was able to see that game. Um just weren't able to, to finish and against a, a strong German team. But I, I was really impressed by Brazil there. Um, uh, and, I mean, I think it's worth commenting on Argentina. Yes, obviously they didn't play most of their players against um, specifically Spain. But Gonzalo Higuain played in both of these games. And not only did he play in both of these games, he had chances in both of these games that he did not convert. And I would say of all the people on Argentina who really need to prove themselves in an international stage, uh, Gonzalo Higuain is like number one uh, needing to prove himself just because he knows that Sergio Aguero is on the bench. He knows that uh, Messi is at these games watching, you know, sort of Messi has the ability to handpick his team. Um, and if Iguain is not producing against top competition in a friendly setting, why should he be trusted to produce in, in the World Cup? Um, so I think there are things to learn from these games. Um, a lot of them were entertaining. I mean, you could, you know, the Egypt Portugal game was a surprisingly entertaining game. Um, uh, and I would say the same was true. England, Italy, not necessarily surprising, but. You know, I think these had a little bit of a uh, these had these games had a little bit more oomph to them because we're getting closer to the World Cup. Yeah, I said uh, Saudi Oman. I meant Leroy Sané for Germany. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite different. Uh, You've been holding that one in for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I realized my error. Uh, so I was just looking at who else was on Argentina's bench on the kind of the midfield and back line for that 6-1 game and there's not a ton of like other names that you know 
we would recognize and say, oh, well, you can just, you know, sub in him for him. Um, you know, Mercado came in on defense. Um, they've got Mori, uh, Fergicchio, uh, Fazio. They just don't have, I mean, they have a ton. We know they have a ton in attack and lots of depth. And, you know, guys will miss, potentially, you know, miss the team that, you know, would start on most of our squads. But I worry about their their back line and, and how they're going to defend against other elite teams. I think they'll score a ton against teams in their group, but yeah, I think there's a there's a legitimate concern that they will be a bit of a sieve uh, on the defensive side when it when it really counts. Yeah, I mean, not only their defense, it's like they clearly proved uh, that they have goalie issues. I mean, they're neither of their potential starters play first team football and granted their backups for great teams in, in Chelsea and United. Um, but I, I mean, Willie granted slip Willie, uh, didn't really have a chance on any of the six goals. I'd say. Yeah. Watching the highlights, he doesn't dive for like any of the goals. He doesn't move and you almost like can't blame him. I mean, you look, yeah. they're just, they're all of them except for the one where he comes out and he gets beat. Uh, are just like well-placed corner shots. <laughs> it's it's really remarkable the amount of time that Spain has given in this game. Um, and obviously when you're down, you know, 4-1, you, you sort of give up a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it's not just their defense, it's their back line. Um, and I think on the world stage, it's real. It's going to be really difficult for, for Messi to carry a team, um, you know, through some of these stronger squads. Um, I, I just don't see Argentina as a favorite, and I think that's why uh, they struggle to qualify in, in, granted, you know, the hardest qualification process that there is. But still, you know, do I think they're a better team than Uruguay? Yeah, and Uruguay was able to, to qualify with relative ease. Mesin, um, how do you feel about Argentina? I still like Argentina. Um I know that they've had a struggle in qualification, and I know that they had a bad game in this friendly, but they've got a, a lot of talented players, and I think the thing they just need to do is simply get out of their group stage, and they'll cause anybody trouble. I don't think Argentina's going to win the World Cup, um, but they can give anybody trouble. So I think that they're going to be a team you don't want to play against, and I think that continues to be the case. I don't see anything from them. I mean, I understand their defense. Maybe people are saying looks a little shaky or whatever, but I think when push comes to shove, they're, they're, they're probably going to advance out of their group. And I think they'll, they'll probably win one or two games in the elimination phase as well. So who knows? I, 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 I don't, I don't feel bearish in Argentina. Although, you know, when, when you start saying things like, you know, Iguain has to prove his place because there's six other strikers that can play instead of him, you know, you have a quality team. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's true. Um, it, it's certainly nothing against them. Uh, my point is just that Iguain was given 180 minutes of football. And, uh, you know, I think these, the point was like, you can learn something from these uh, friendlies. Um, Argentina's got a, I, I wouldn't say tough, but they definitely are in a competitive group with Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Uh, Nigeria actually was one of the teams that surprised me this week, too, with a surprise win over Poland. Uh, Poland recently given that top six spot in the world solely because of Robert Lewandowski. Um, and then Nigeria goes and loses to Serbia. So it's like, eh. yeah, exactly. And then Poland, Poland ekes by a win against South Korea. 
Um, it, it's you know the. I mean, it's a it's a big deal if Argentina doesn't get out of this group, right? Like, it's a oh, it's a huge deal. I mean, fire I your coach, type of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I expect them to, but um, yeah, I, I, I expect them to. I, I think it would be you know panic mode nationally if they didn't make it out of this group. Uh, what did you guys think about watching France? That France Colombia game. I mean. I was really impressed by the way France played when they were ahead. And then I, you know, that collapse really just made me go the other way with it. Um, do you think France is, is a favorite to win the world cup? One of the favorites? I don't, I don't think they're, they're a favorite because their, their team is just really talented. Uh, I don't take a ton of stock in this game. The, Colombia is a good team. Uh, I think you know you they, they 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 go ahead and they win on a late penalty. Falcao scored in the 60th minute. Uh, France has a little bit of troubles. I think trouble at the back. They but they also have one of the best midfields in the world, and they have really really good attacking talent that kind of can paper over that a little bit. Uh, Pogba and Mbappe was a great combination um, in both the games that they played. So I. I think I'd be concerned, but I don't think it's anything that dampens my spirits and thinking France is a, you know, legitimate contender for, for the world cup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Colombia, great result for Colombia, but then they go into Australia in a game that was strangely played in London. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the scenes from after that game, but like the Colombian fans charged the field is a very strange, uh, very strange environment. Um, <laughs> Madison, if you had to give me one dark horse for the World Cup, who would it be? Huh. Well, dark horse, I think that this year I want to see a, I'm not necessarily sticking with my Homer uh, pick of, uh, you know, like making sure that uh, I represent my national uh, heritage here. But I think that Africa is going to show up in a big way. I think African teams got a lot better over the course of the last four years, just like as a whole. Um, so my hope is that um, a team from Africa can kind of maybe maybe just get through one of the uh, uh, round of 16, maybe, maybe cause a little headway uh, going into the, the round of eight um, and, you know, have a little underdog to cheer for. Um, we mentioned Nigeria. Um, Egypt's another team to look out for. I want to see... I want to see some African, uh, some African competition uh, in the later stages of the World Cup this year. Do you think Egypt, given their group, uh, is the favorite to make a splash? I think so because they got they got lucky enough to be placed with the one seed of Russia. Right. Uh, They're the second best team in that group, I think. I, Russia, I think, I think yeah. that's, un- that's that's uncontroversial. I think that Russia is uh, not very good. I think that uh, Uruguay is obviously the best team in that group, <laughs> and I think that. Saudi Arabia really is like, uh, you know, lucky. and if you want to take recent results as like a forebear of what's going to come, Morocco has a good chance of coming out of their group because Portugal looked like trash this past week. So I, I was I was actually just going to ask you guys about that, and it's not even Portugal looking like trash. Uh, Morocco is uh, has played well over. They're good. Yeah, they're good. I mean, uh, it's. I'm not going to say they go under the radar because, almost to your point, Mez, and most African teams go under the radar. But I think Morocco, especially, 
uh, has gone under the radar over the past, uh, at least during qualification, where they, they qualified with ease. Um, I think they qualified after like four games or something like that in, in qualification. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think Morocco could give Portugal problems in that group. Um, I think we're all in agreement that Spain will come out on top. Ryan, it doesn't matter, though, any- right? Because uh, Ronaldo will it just doesn't. end up end up doing something and they'll end up advancing. <laughs> it's just the way that works. There's a little bit of bitterness coming uh, from your end there. <laughs> he's just crazy. He's just like, he's still doing it. I don't really understand how it's happening. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say that it's basically those two teams because just looking, Senegal, it's going to be really tough for Senegal given that they're playing like Colombia and Poland and actually Japan as well. Um and then Tunisia is not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, Tunisia just doesn't have much of a chance. Nigeria could get out of their group. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's a very competitive group, right? It's yeah. really hard. It's really hard to predict the two teams that are going to come out. Well, you know, I think it's a little bit easier to say Argentina, but the other team could be any one of those three. In terms of other dark horses, I mean, Uruguay is another great example. That was my answer. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> they can go deep. I mean, Hey, Madison, shut up. Ryan. Oh, sorry, my bad. Ryan, go ahead. You say <laughs> No, I mean, our, uh, yeah, you're going to ask for a dark horse. I think it's Uruguay. I think Uruguay is really good in that they know what they are. They know who they have, and they are going to build their team around that. They're still, you know, they they know they have Cavani, and Cavani is really good. He works really hard uh, from, like, a work rate perspective. They will get him in the box, get the ball to him in the box um, in advantageous situations and he will take advantage of it and that's what they will try to do over and over and they are talented enough throughout the team to you know scare people again (laughs) yeah i I think with Cavani, it's pretty feast or famine though on the international stage um i I, you know suarez is a little bit more consistent on the international stage when he's not Uh, like getting red cards from you know yeah exactly right but um I mean, I agree. At their best, I think they're certainly a team, uh, certainly a team that could compete with anyone. And I mean, they do, right? The two best team, two of the best teams in the world, play in in South American qualifying, and and Uruguay was right up there with them. Um, I wanted to say Belgium as my dark horse, but they really wasn't that impressive over the international break. Um, you know, Lukaku was able to bang in two against a weak opponent in Saudi Arabia. Um, I want to see Belgium against top competition, so maybe the couple of friendlies right before the World Cup, which that is the worst scheduling possible. It's like friendlies, and then you fly to Russia like a week later or something like that. Who does Belgium play in these friendlies? Uh, hi, I'd have to go and look. I'm um, looking at it now. They have Portugal and then uh, Egypt, the June 2nd and the June 6th. Yeah, I don't think it's a week later, but it's like sh- very shortly it's after. Very short, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, those are good, you know, good games for them. That's a great, I mean, if Egypt is playing Belgium, that's a great game for Egypt. And, um, and they play versus Costa Rica on the 11th, six days, uh, a week before the World Cup starts. Yeah, that's, that's insane. You're going to see a lot of guys who probably won't play in the actual World Cup playing those games. I mean, yeah, a lot, for sure. A lot, of, a lot of bench players. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this World Cup, guys. Yeah, it's going to hey, be awesome. You guys on Simon Mignolet will probably play in one of those games. <laughs> That's good, because he hasn't played in the Premier League in a while. Um, 
Speaking of which, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Premier League. We only got, I know it's hard to believe, it, this season, you know, the season's always long, but we only got seven games left for some teams, eight games left for other teams. Okay. Yeah, for Liverpool, it's seven. And another team. That's eight, yeah. back this weekend as uh, this international breaks coming um the game this weekend huge implication for the uh final standings basin top four do you think it's going to remain the same do you think chelsea could pull uh something miraculous in the last eight i believe they have eight games uh left in the season yeah i don't even think it has to be all that miraculous <laughs> yeah. so I'm really, I'm really excited to have the Premier League back as well. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's nice to be watching some some real games. Uh, and uh, it started off with a bang on the first of April with Chelsea Tottenham. This is the game that Chelsea has to win, right? They win this game, and then to go into the if they were to win it, they they go into the back half. You know, the the, the rest of these seven games, uh, probably with the easy, the much easier path. They have to play Liverpool. But beyond playing Liverpool in the second half the last game of the season, they play West Ham. They play Southampton. They play Burnley, who's kind of tough. They play Swansea, who's probably going to be fighting for something. And they play Newcastle. Compare you say, that to- and Huddersfield? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And they, you compare that to Tottenham, uh, who have to play Man City, Man United, and uh, Leicester. Uh, they have to play Watford. You know, these are some tough games. Uh, and now the menu is the cup game, though, to be fair. Yeah, right. but we'll, we'll get it is the cup game, but we'll get I'll, I want to ask you about it in a minute. I mean, that's true. You know, we'll see what Pochettino uh, decides to do there. But, uh, you know, it's still a you know, tough slew of games. Playing City is uh, not not great for them. Uh, <laughs> It's like you playing know. City in the game. It's it's around the time where like that might be the game where City can clinch the Premier League. Actually, yeah, it, it very very certainly might be. So if you ask me, with Kane's injury um, in play, uh, I kind of feel like Tottenham is the one that has to prove that they can stay in the top four. I think Chelsea actually has the easier road. Um, so this game is going to be absolutely massive for both of these game, these teams uh, going into these these next games. It's so important. Um, so I want to be the wet blanket on this game a little bit for just a second. Madison, if you're Potch, do you play this game? Do you play to win in this game? Uh, yeah, definitely. I play to you win. Think so? You think so? Yeah, I play. I definitely play to win, and I and I and I think I think that's uh, oh, you know, uh, what I just said about the the schedules and, and different things like that. Uh, I, I think you got to try and get this. I think you got to try and, and build a lead. Uh, I, I think it's more important that Tottenham wins this game than Chelsea does. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think the most important result is that Tottenham doesn't lose this game. Agreed, uh, <laughs> uh, but I still I still think that doesn't play in style to try to play anyway. 
I, I, if I was Pacha, I'd try to play to win. Um, you you got to go for it. I think this is like a game you win, and that's it's it's what it's, it's one of the marks of the season. So this is this is the one. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just my style, but I would I would feel pretty pretty crappy about going into this game trying to get a draw and then losing anyway, um, which is something I think could happen to Tottenham easily. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Brad, do you think they should play to win this game? Yeah, who's the NFL coach that yells, you play to win the game? Um, I think that's Herm yeah. Edwards or something. Herm. Yeah, you. <laughs> uh, especially because this is at, I believe this is home for, for Tottenham. No, no, it's away. It's away, but like, and it's London, it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all about Zing. Yeah. I, I no. I think you 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 have to play to win because the difference between even a draw and keeping a five point and pushing yourself to eight. Um, this is. I think their schedule. I think Spurs' schedule is a little bit better than Mazin is laying it out. Um, they have tough games. I won't you know won't deny that. But I think they have a. It's, it's mostly manageable. The if you put eight points in front of your in in front of Chelsea, uh, that's even you know seven games. That's a that's a pretty big hurdle. Um, both teams have you know an up in the uh, up one more up in the air question game in Liverpool and then City for Spurs, which was probably just a loss. Um, although that's at home, so maybe maybe they get a draw out of that. But uh, you go for it. You go for the win. Um, you they probably will play Lorente up front and. You know, maybe that'll work out. Maybe Sun, you know, it'll be a sunny show, and he'll and he'll put in a, a couple, and maybe Deli Alley will decide that you know he's worth the hundred million pounds he's going to be asking for this summer. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's as Mazin said, it's gut check time. You put the you you play to win. You put yourself out there. You get yourself an eight point cushion um, because you will you might give up uh, points to. Watford and Newcastle, and if you're up eight points, you can. You have a little bit more. Th- uh, you have a little bit more cushion to do that. If you're, you know, you're as Madison said, you're pussyfooting around and you're you're going for the draw, and and Chelsea scores on a late Alonso free kick. Um, no reason why I brought that up. It's not like that didn't happen already. Um, it's just going to make a, a poor result worse. So you go for so, it. So you went with Sunny Show. I mean, you could have said bright and sunny day. Uh, you could have went with Sun, 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 Little Noah and the Whale. Uh, it's, I don't know. I feel like that's a missed opportunity on your part. But yeah, um, I could have said my dearest son. Yeah, there's a lot yeah, there. There's a, there's a ton you could do with that. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, if they win, it's going to be huge for them, right? Putting eight points between them is, is pretty insurmountable, even for a, a Chelsea team that has a pretty weak schedule minus Liverpool. I, I guess my point is, you have to assume that Tottenham are going to drop three points playing City. And if that's the case, then they're only going to have one other game where they can slip up and lose. Um, and that could be the Chelsea game. So if Tottenham are you know, pushing forward and they're, they're trying to get the ball to Urente for, for whatever, um, instead of playing a more defensive style, uh, especially against a, a Chelsea squad that is just capable of a brutal counterattack, um, I, I would err more towards caution, and I might go for a draw. It's maybe it's the little Mourinho in me. I don't know, um, because the, you're right, Ryan. The rest of Tottenham's schedule is pretty weak. Yeah, they play Leicester last game of the season, but it, they also play Leicester last game of the season when Leicester will have absolutely nothing to play for. 
Um, so I don't even consider that a, you know, a game, really. If Tottenham's at home against Leicester, that's a game they should win. Uh, I would say if you could get through this Chelsea game and without dropping points, you know, net neutral against them, then you pretty much have it wrapped up and you just need to do your part. Yeah, I, it's also, I don't know how well Tottenham can play an intentional, boring game. They're best when they're pressing, when they have their high press going, they have their fullbacks kind of pushing up on the on the wings. They're, you know, really good when Dembele can, you know, take out passes uh, through the middle and, and redistribute out wide. So it's, it's, it's tough for them, I think, to, you know, play a little bit more in a shell and defensively. Uh, they probably will just because they don't have Kane out there. But I don't know. I don't know necessarily how adaptable uh, Pochettino is to not playing soccer the way he wants to play. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I agree with you that they are their best when they're when they're pushing forward and applying pressure to teams. Um, but Poch is able to keep teams organized. And I don't necessarily mean remain a shell. but No, he's I mean, very good at organization also. Oh, yeah, right. I'll agree so, with you there. So, so maybe just, you know, having your wings take less chances in a game. Uh, I'm not saying take no chances, but um, I, like I said, you know, if, if they could get through this game not dropping points to Chelsea, then I think they're in the clear. I guess your argument, and I, I think we're talking in circles, but I feel like if Spurs plays the game that you're suggesting, they're more likely to drop points. You think so? Yes. I don't think that they can play a nice, compact game against Chelsea. Like, we're forgetting that Chelsea can score, and they will. Like, if given the opportunity to just control the game, Chelsea loves that situation, and they'll they'll take advantage of it, and they'll probably win at home. Yeah, I don't trust uh, Sanchez versus Willian. Chelsea, Tottenham has to keep Chelsea off balance in order to make this game the way it is. So they have to, they have to, they have to play actively, um, and that's their best chance to to come away with points. So I think that if I was Pochettino, I would just stick to the game plan, stick to what makes Tottenham good, um, and if it all goes well, they'll walk away with three points. All right. Mazzy, do you think the top four remains? The current top four? Uh, we'll see after this week. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's not what I'm asking. Right now, you think the, the current... The current as it stands, top four? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Liverpool has a game in hand, or the other way around. They have a game not in hand. <laughs> game on foot? I don't know. They're like in third, in quotes. Yeah, but... but, but in reality, they're but, but, really... But the, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, you could you could make loose predictions on what's going to happen for every other team the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that you know United will stay in second. I think uh, shockingly, City will probably win the Premier League. And then the question the question is just who who go, who comes in third and who comes in fourth. I, I think uh, Jesus. I I, I, honestly, I can't I can't pick. I have no idea. Um, but I think that probably um, Liverpool will be in the top four and I, I, I kind of expect Pochettino to make mistakes. Uh, so I, uh, part of me, maybe this is crazy, but part of me thinks that Chelsea, even though they're down in points right now, has a better chance of being in the top four than Spurs. I don't think it's crazy. I think Chelsea, I think if, you know, my argument is also true. Chelsea controls their destiny. 
And if Chelsea beats Tottenham, then I think Chelsea has the best shot at finishing in fourth. Uh, Ryan, same question. Being the Tottenham fan that you are, do you think the current top four remains? Let's, um, let's, let's hear your so I'll, I'll avoid answering that question right away. I think Liverpool takes second. I'm looking at the Liverpool schedule. It's dirt easy. You've got Chelsea on the road the second last game of the year, and then your Liverpool derby with Everton, and then nothing. So if they, I think they, they could catch uh, United, by the way, who has to play Arsenal, Watford, uh, and City. And West Ham on the road, which who knows? I could see West Ham taking points off United. So I think Liverpool could take second, but that's just never here nor there. I'm just saying, don't forget that Liverpool um, always perform poorly against teams they should beat, like as a rule. And secondly, and I, I say this is a Liverpool fan, but you know, some 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 teams in England are still playing in the Champions League, um, and those. Oh. Teams, um, have to uh, actually play each other right before they play huge derby matches. <laughs> Literally right before. So they're going to play each other in a really intense Champions match, then City will go play United, and Liverpool will go play Everton like pretty much two days later. So uh, that's going to be wild. Uh, I think there's plenty of opportunities for Liverpool to drop points. So I said Liverpool will finish in the top four, but that's that's far from assured. It could be Tottenham and Chelsea that are sitting in those spots and Liverpool in fifth crying on their way out after being eliminated by City. <laughs> nah, I, I mean, I, I think Everton defensively is just so poor. Yeah, Poole should score eight goals. If, if Everton wasn't such a good matchup for Liverpool, I would agree with you, Mazin. But it's this year, even in a derby match, um, Liverpool is, will just overrun them. What were you going to say, Ryan? I I think, so to finally answer the question, I, I think the top four holds, this isn't even like a Tottenham fan perspective. I think just a five-point cushion with eight games left um, most of the time is going to hold. There are, you know, there will be extenuating circumstances. This is probably one of those scenarios where it's like a 60-40 chance that it holds. Um, and I'll just take 60 just because I am a Spurs fan. But, I, you know, it's still a five-point gap. And those are, you know, those are still tough to make up. Um, it helps having a head-to-head. But, we, you know, we went through all the reasons. But I think, I think it holds. Okay. Um, it's tough. I, I think... You know, and I think we're taking Tottenham a little bit for granted. Playing Spurs, uh, playing City at home, they could, you know, take a point from that game. So I, yeah, I'm they could do the Liverpool method and just yeah. press wildly press. Um, so I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think it is going to hold, um, just because you really need two events to happen. You need Tottenham to drop three points both at che- uh, against Chelsea and against City. Or, or at various points, uh, you know, on more unlikely games than the last eight for them. Um, so I'll take their five-point cushion uh, on Chelsea. And I, I think the top four will actually remain the way it is. Um, all right, we'll take one more break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, a little bit about the bottom half of the table um, and give our give our quick takes on who's going to get relegated. Spoiler
of the Premier League. So right now, the bottom three, West Brom seem to have put a good bit of a gap between themselves uh, and everybody else in the league in a bad way. Uh, they look championship-bound. Stoke City. Uh, Stoke City, a perennial mid-table finisher. Kind of surprising that they're down there this year, um, you know, really because of just the worst defense uh, in the Premier League. And Southampton, who week by week I say, you know, they're not this bad. And I still maintain that, you know, 13 ties this season, I think it's the most in the Premier League. Uh, but still, they sit in the relegation zone. Um, Ryan, much like the top four, do you think the bottom three finishes this way? Oh, man, I think the Stoke and West Brom are gone. Um, St- I mean, we keep on saying, oh, Stoke's got talent, and then they lose. So I think uh, those two are gone. I think one of the teams between 32 and 30 points uh, falls and Southampton, like, escapes. You're right that they are they have the most draws in the league. They, you know, have a GD that is not as bad as some of the other uh people surrounding them it's still not great but it's not awful uh the 538 with their elo rankings have them kind of neck and neck um in terms of percent chance of uh moving to the of getting relegated with huddersfield uh and then you know slightly above them is, is west ham i think a team like like Huddersfield, uh, maybe that's my pick, is most likely to kind of suffer, suffer a couple of uh, key losses and, and fall. Um, I just think Southampton just has just enough talent to to get them. They're probably going to finish in 17th, but hey, that's better than 18th. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's crowded down there. What do you think, Madison? I, I it is really crowded. Oh, wait. Although, one sec. They do. Southampton still have... Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Everton, and City on their schedule. Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, Everton, and City. Okay, I think I changed my pick. <laughs> That's pretty brutal. Yeah, seriously, who did that scheduling? Southampton should should complain about that. What do you think, Madison? Pretend you didn't hear that schedule and uh, give us your pick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 tough to really pick because you just mentioned that it's so crowded. It's really crowded. I mean, it goes up, it goes up really far. Um, I think like where teams start to feel safe, even though it's only a matter of like four points is like where Brighton Hove Albion is sitting with 34 points and the game in hand um, that puts them, you know, six points above the relegation zone right now. Um, so that they feel okay. Um, but then anyone below them, Newcastle at 32, all the way down to West Brom. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams um, going into the bottom three. And well, I guess you could say eight teams going for two spots because West Brom is like basically out. Um, so it's difficult to say like who, who to pick because it's like, it just seems to me like, and this is what's awesome about like red relegation in general is like these teams are going to fight for their lives, right? Like Liverpool is going to play Palace this weekend. The very undesirable opponent to be playing right now. Because yeah. Palace has some talent, and they're going to be desperate to get points, um, and they're going to be a very tough team to handle. Um, and the same can be tr- said of any of these teams when you're facing them. Facing a Southampton or a Stoke right now, even though they've been playing very poorly this season, or a West Ham, similar idea, is is just like not something <laughs> I really would want to com- contemplate. Um, and so I think like what we're going to see in this last few games is a lot of 
upsets, a lot of crazy finishes, a lot of really exciting games, open play. Um, it's going to be super fun to watch. And because of that, I just don't think at this point, like the best teams are going to advance. It's just going to be like, there's going to be a lot of luck of the draws, a lot of like random bounces, a lot of crazy finishes. And then two teams are going to be stuck, stuck outside. Uh, That's pretty much how it's going to go. It's crazy how like every year you forget about how exciting the last couple of games are of the season on the, on the back end of the Premier League, you know, for the worst teams. It's like, these games are so much fun to watch actually. Uh, for the reasons you just listed. Uh, a note on Palace. I mean, they're coming off two almost wins against top competition in, in United and Chelsea. You know, giving up that United Matic goal. Is, I still think about that goal. It was just a great outside foot shot. Um, all right, I'm going to change my pick back, though. I think I'm not. I'm going to go Southampton survives because if you look at Huddersfield's schedule, uh, <laughs> the game of the weekend this weekend is Huddersfield-Newcastle. Uh at Newcastle, I mean, Mazen, there are two teams that are in that group of teams that you just listed. Uh, this is going to be like a, a dogfight. Um, but then after Newcastle, Huddersfield has Brighton, the easiest game that they have. Watford, Chelsea, Everton, City, Arsenal. Yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> it's it's really brutal. So um, I actually think Southampton will be able to do just enough. And like you said, uh, that 17th spot is looking bright for the picking, I think, for Southampton. Also, there's just uh, something, I don't know, there's just something, I don't know if you guys get this when you're watching sports, but there's, like, something about, like, storylines writing themselves. And Huddersfield Town is just, like, writing themselves into the relegation zone. Like, the story of their season is just one that just looks like the ending should be them being relegated. They started <laughs> off, they started they off the, like, so... Weren't they the best team in the Premier League for, like, four games? Yeah, they started off so well. They were the darlings. It was like, oh, they're new and they're they're doing great. And then just little – it wasn't like a sharp drop. It's just little by little. They're just getting their way down in the standings. Now, all of a sudden, they're right – you know, Huddersfield has actually never been in the relegation zone at all, all season. That's wild. So, what would be – the story that I'm writing that just seems to make sense is that they avoid the relegation <laughs> zone until the last game day and are relegated. <laughs> which which our stats guy is telling us has never happened. Yeah, our stats guy is saying that definitely. Our, stat, our stats guy. <laughs> we'll just we'll just keep repeating stats guy. Um, yeah, I mean that would be a, a that would be a great terrible story for Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> and then their manager leaves to go coach coach Dortmund. Yeah, exactly. Jurgen Klopp Jr. leaves to coach uh, Dortmund. Um, the other team, surprising team down there, West Ham. Uh, I, West Ham two points above the relegation zone. Uh, I, I think they have enough talent to survive. Um, and, and if you actually look at West Ham's schedule. Uh, pretty easy schedule going forward. Uh, in that, I mean, they go what United, Chelsea. No, nah, I, I mean, I'm, be, I'm being I'm being facetious. They play every top team in the top of the in the league. Uh, okay. They play, yeah, they play United. Uh, they have a six point game against Southampton, which is going to be a huge game because after United, they play Chelsea, they play City, they play Arsenal, they play Leicester, they play Everton. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of these games are on the road too. Yeah, so all of all of the teams at the bottom half of the day in that relegation battle seem to be playing teams at the top half uh, in addition to playing each other. 
So I, I kind of agree with you, Madison. It's kind of just going to be a crapshoot, and whoever could pick up, like, even picking up a one-point game against, like, an Arsenal or or a United is going to be huge for these teams. Every point. Every point matters. Every point matters from here going forward. Um, any last words on the Premier League? Last half of the season, any story lines you guys want to see? I just, like, really want City to clinch against United. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's like the last, the last thing I'm really. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, can it even happen? Let's see. It can. It it actually can. That would it be can. the game. It yeah. actually, I think, at this point, is like the most likely game. Yeah, it's either going to be United or Tottenham, which is kind of crazy. It is going to be United or Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, also, no one's talking about it, but City can get a hundred points still. Yeah, oh, yeah, has, easily. Hasn't been done in well, the Premier League in quite a while. They have to win, like, every game. But they, but they, well, but they you know, <laughs> they're, on, they're on pace, <laughs> you could say. Madison, or Brian, any last words on the, uh, on the Premier uh, League? I think we kind of covered it. The, the, fight, the fight to not get relegated. Um, thank you, Easton. Um the fight to not get relegated is going to be wild. Uh, that last game where all the all the matches start at the same time is going to be crazy because there'll be, you know, the scenarios where like if, you know, five teams all have a chance of getting relegated still. Uh, so I think this that'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I think the top, the four or five match uh, at the top of the table will be moderately interesting um, and cardiac uh, inducing for me. Uh, and then you know. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Arsenal gets caught by Burnley or uh, any of the other teams just below them because that would just, you know, Tottenham can finish in Europe, but if Arsenal gets passed with Burnley, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, the thing about City that I, you know, 100 points, obviously a huge result. They, they need to just get 19 out of 24 points, which for them is, is nothing at this point. Um, City could probably finish with, the best GD in the Premier League era, which I think would be something cool to see. Um, this team's really good. It, it's just really, really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the debates uh, at the end of the season about whether they're the best ever. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it definitely will happen. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this weeks ago, and we thought we were getting a little ahead of ourselves, but now that we're eight games away from the end of the season, I think it should absolutely happen. Um. I think Mr. Chang has a lock of the week, so we'll come back and do that quickly. Brian, I hear Mr. Chang sent in the lock of the week for you. Uh, if I remember correctly, is now this was two weeks ago. First loss on lock of the week. And as a reminder to Mr. Chang, if you fall five below 500, then we're never doing this segment again. So I think you're like five and one right now. So if you go L9, be aware. Um, but new lock of the week, not sponsored by Master Lock. We have to point that out that Master Lock refused to give this podcast a sponsor. Maybe it had something to do with the number of listeners. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that we were already using Master Lock to sponsor Lock of the Week. I don't know. 
but Master Lock not sponsoring this segment. Um, what's Mr. Chang's Lock of the Week for this week? Give us your opinion on it. So he is going for, at a minus 120 odds, uh, Liverpool minus one against Palace. I This is one of the first bets that I am a little concerned about. You mentioned it in the previous segment. Palace is fighting for their life. They have attacking talent. Um, they have other guys not named Christian Benteke that can score. Uh, and they are more than capable of as they showed against United, as they showed against, um, who else did they recently just lose to? Um, Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Both of those games, you know, they they were in it. And the Manchester United, they, you know, you could argue probably should have won. So, yeah, I, I this is, you know, likely outcome is, is probably a Liverpool win. But, you know, is it a is it a 2-1 game or does Liverpool, you know, kind of sneak a, a Salah 90th minute, you know, insurance uh, insurance goal to, to secure the bet. So, you know, I, I have confidence in Chang and that uh, Mr. Chang that he knows what he's doing, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think from Mr. Chang's point of view, the nice thing is he has no bias whatsoever because he uh, does his research, we'll say hastily. Um, but I also agree with you. I'm not sure how I feel about the bet. I agree with you that. I, I think this bet winds up being a push, which for him doesn't hurt his record. <laughs> um, I agree. I, I think the most likely outcome is Liverpool winning this game by one. And uh, what do you think, Madison? This is probably probably a tough one. Oh yeah, no, I think I think Liverpool probably wins this game for nothing. <laughs> so, I'm I'm actually placing the bet right now. All right. Well, you heard it here. Mazin is going to be disappointed next week. And with that, <laughs> this is it for Rambo Chat Soccer Podcast. Uh, excited to talk to you guys about the Premier League games next week. But until then, have a good one.